Well, the question, where are you from, might be the first question you ask when meeting someone who, who might look, they might sound, or they might act differently to you. After all, if they were from around here, then they wouldn't look, sound, or act that way, would they? There's something unique uh, about where we're from that impacts deeply on how we look, how we sound, and how we act. Take, for instance, a couple of months ago, my youngest daughter, Emily, and I took a flight to Copenhagen to visit Emily's best friend, Maddie. Uh, During the trip, we visited a couple of countries, and in Singapore on our way there, we didn't look like we belonged. We definitely didn't sound like we belonged. The way we spoke was very different. And we most certainly didn't act like we belonged because locals simply don't get lost like we did. When we got to Europe, we seemingly looked like we belonged, but it didn't take long after we opened our mouths and spoke for the locals to figure out that we weren't from around these parts. Paul starts this letter in Colossians by saying to the Colossians, this this part of the letter, chapter 3, Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. Paul says that for those that are in Christ, those who believe in Jesus as Saviour, your identity is not in where you live in the here and now. It's not in Canberra, it's not in your hometown or the town that you were born in. It's not in your interests, relationships or your gender. For those who believe in Jesus, your identity is now in Christ. He says that you've been raised with Christ in verse 1. For you died with Christ in verse 3. And so now your real identity, the true you, is now hidden with Christ. Verse 3. So in Christ you've got this new identity. In Christ you've also got this new address. A heavenly address. And I think this changes everything, doesn't it? As a result, your identity, who you are, in Christ changes absolutely everything. Paul says right at the start in verse 1, even going back to chapter 2, 6 to 7, I'll put it on the screen, where he writes, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, he says, continue to live in him. The Colossians, they've already believed in Christ. They've put their faith in Jesus. So Paul now says, since, because you believe then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is and in whom your identity has found its true home. He says, don't set your minds on earthly things but on things above, the heavenly things, where your true identity belongs. If our new identity uh, is in Christ and our new address is in heaven, as if that wasn't enough, Paul says, you've also got a new wardrobe. Believing in Jesus doesn't just give you a new home to belong, but it gives you a new wardrobe of clothes to put on. 
But before you can put on these new, clean, heavenly clothes, Paul says to us, take off the old, dirty, worldly clothes because they don't match with the new wardrobe you've been given. Let's make a list here of uh, the dirty, worldly clothes that Paul says uh, to take off. From verses 5 to 7, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He says, sexual immorality, put it to death. Impurity, put it to death. Lust, evil desires, greed, put them all to death. Idolatry, it's because of these things that the wrath of God is coming. These are all things that uh, stem from our heart selfishness. But Paul continues with another list here. This time it's the verbal outworking of our worldly clothes. He says you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived in that worldly life, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. He says anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. He says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self, the old filthy worldly clothes, rags at best, with its practices, verse 10, and have put on the new self, the heavenly self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. From verse 12 there, Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people, you are holy, set apart for God. Dearly loved, he says, clothe yourselves with these things. Let's make a list again. This time of the heavenly clothes that he says to put on. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. These things, they're all heart attitudes. He continues in verse uh, 13, he says, bear with one another endure forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave you and over all these virtues he says put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity paul says that it's love that's at the core love is what fuels compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness Patience, forgiveness, love is what binds all of these virtues in perfect unity. You see, in Christ, you've got a new identity, a new address, and a new wardrobe. Paul is teaching us ultimately to be who you are. It's not do this or else. It's not continue in the worldly ways, but it's not do this so that you can be saved. He's saying, be who you already are in Christ. Because you've been saved, you have this wardrobe to put on. Cast off this worldly wardrobe, put on this heavenly wardrobe. So why do you want to get changed? My question to you today is, why wouldn't you want to get changed? Why would you not want to cast off these filthy old rags 
belonging to this world and put on this new clean, freshly ironed, tailor-made clothes of heaven. Your real identity in Christ and your new address in heaven. You know, those that have known us best uh, for years should notice the difference that our faith makes in our life, shouldn't they? They should notice that we put on these heavenly clothes. The outworking of our faith, I think, should cause the realities of our new address and our new wardrobe to be a radical witness to the work of God in our lives and in the world. So let's go over it again so that you're in no doubt that you need to get changed. Verse 1. Why get changed? Because you are raised with Christ. Jesus has taken the punishment for your sin in his death. Effectively, you're already on the other side of death if your faith is in Jesus. Your sin has been dealt with at the cross. Verse 3, because you died with Christ and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, it says, then you also will appear with him in glory. You are a citizen of heaven already. Don't wear the dirty clothes around your king. In verse 12, Paul says, you are God's chosen people. He says you're holy, which means you're set apart. You're dearly loved. You are set apart for God's glory, for his purposes. Don't wear the wrong team's clothes to the big game. Paul says to us in our community, uh, in us living together as Christians, because we know we can't be Christians just on our own, can we? We need to do it with those about us. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Since Paul is not teaching us just as individuals, but as people who live in a community with others of various forms, he sets out some rules for redeemed family life. And what better place to start than in our homes to test and prove our dedication to serving Jesus? Do we really embrace our new clothes? Now this next little section of God's word from verse 18 is one in a collection of New Testament passages that has caused more than its fair share of ink to flow. But if we read it carefully, there's a few surprises in store for us. But before we get into this section, a little uh, background that will help us navigate this section faithfully. Paul is writing in the ancient world. He's writing to Greek, uh, to the Greek and the Roman world. And a household back then was uh, not what most of us consider a household today. In the ancient world, and, and even in some parts of our world today, three or even four generations could share a home 
or would share a home. This included servants of various kinds. This was just the way the world worked. Much like we rely on fuel to run our cars, the ancient world relied on slaves. It's hard to imagine what it's like uh, in our position being a possession rather than a person. But under Roman law, if you were a woman or a slave, or a boy for that matter, then that's exactly what you were. Somebody's possession. So Paul is writing to a church community who's living in this situation and any views, opinions or feelings that a possession might have or possess were completely disregarded by Roman law. And therefore a woman, a slave or a child could not have responsibility for their own actions. It's total nonsense though because we know that people are not possessions. They're not things to be owned, are they? All of us are created in God's image, regardless of our legal status or our social status. So for Paul to address each of these people, these so-called possessions, as having opinions and, importantly, responsibility, is incredibly countercultural. So let's get started. Verse 18, he says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. He addressed a woman first. Wow, before a man. That's pretty revolutionary. A wife is called to submit to her husband, but note the end of that sentence, as is fitting in the Lord. Men, she's not called to endure abuse, physical, sexual, psychological. There will be times when submission should stop. It should never be blind obedience or unthinking. And Christ has greater authority than the husband, which is where Paul goes next. And I think we should always read these two verses together. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh. The submission of the wife is tied to a challenge for the husband to love his wife sacrificially. Love that is both sacrificial and demanding on husbands. This is love like Christ expressed ultimately that he gave up his life for ours on the cross. All of our relationships, but especially our marriages, that get this right, are windows into the gospel for us all. Every single aspect of our lives needs to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. And so Paul says to the children, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Kids, you've got to take your parents' authority seriously. But as before, we can't just dislocate this verse from the following one. It says fathers, some translations might say parents. 
Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Imagine, imagine for a moment what life would look like in our homes if we who are parents took this seriously, especially the dads amongst us. We failed at this miserably and made it difficult for our children to be obedient. Yet if we follow Christ, our new heavenly clothes help us to not infuriate our children with petty and pointless commands. But he doesn't just stop there. He continues by addressing slaves and masters. It's hard for us to understand the ancient view of slavery, given our more recent view of more modern slavery uh, of the slave trade in the European colonies uh, in the southern US. But in an ancient context, Paul's talking to the back row in church. And they've heard it said before to obey their masters, but Paul says, verse 22, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you. Do it with sincerity of heart and do it with reverence for the Lord. This itself was different to what they'd heard. Paul says it doesn't matter what you get told to do. You are actually serving a higher authority. Of course slavery is abhorrent. Of course no one in their right mind could advocate for it. Now slavery may seem remote to us, but probably our closest equivalent today, uh, in terms that we might be able to put it, would be employment. If you have a job, then you're either a employer or an employee and sometimes you're both i want you to exchange the terms uh, slave and master in these verses now imagine for a moment how different your workplace might be if everyone lived like that if everyone lived serving one another as if serving the lord and lastly he addresses masters employers supervisors He says, provide your slaves, your employees, your contractors with what is right and fair because you also have a master in heaven. In all of these instructions for the Christian household, Paul sets up a framework of godly authority. Always, always in submission to Jesus as King. Paul says, take off the worldly clothes, be who you were made to be by putting on the heavenly clothes. He says, in Christ you've got a new identity which gives you a new address, a heavenly address and a new wardrobe. So where are you from? On the outline in today's Vital Info and Online in, the, in my last point, it's listed as, where are you from? I'd like you to cross that out. bit hard if you're using the online notes. But I think the question really should be, where do you belong? 
You see, belonging gives us a present, but it also places our future. We might each be born in towns that we now have very little to do with today. But Jesus offers us more than just a place to be from. He offers us a place to belong now and into eternity if we believe in him. So where do you belong? Ask yourself this question daily because the foundation, I think, of all of our Christian ethics is found in the answer to this very question. Allow this question to totally revolutionise your life, your marriage, your family, your church, your community, your workplace, our world. C.S. Lewis wrote, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. In Colossians 3, Paul is saying, you're already, you are raised with Christ. You're already a citizen of heaven. So live it out. Live out who you already are in Christ. If you could do this for me, if you're taking notes, write this statement at the end of your notes. I want you to write, live out who you already are in Christ. But if you're anything like me, this is a mammoth task. So this week, choose maybe one specific behaviour from Colossians 3, those worldly clothes to take off that needs to change in you. and a piece of heavenly clothing that you can put on for living out who you already are in Christ.